Hi, I'm Jeff Ranke, Editorial Director of Manufacturing.net and Manufacturing Business Technology. Welcome to Security Bridge. Today we're going to discuss an evolving vulnerability in the industrial sector, the security of cloud data and networks. We're obviously talking about the use of IT infrastructure that's not physically located within the plant or facility. It's a platform that is continuing to see an uptick in use. In fact, Netrix, a leading cloud network security solutions provider, recently cited in their latest cloud data security report that organizations expect to increase the amount of work done in the cloud from 41 to 54% by the end of 2023. More specifically, this means an increased reliance on cloud storage for corporate financial information and intellectual property. And while this is good news to cloud service providers, they're apparently not the only ones enjoying this trend. Netrix also cited that 53% of those surveyed suffered a cyber attack targeting their cloud network within the last 12 months. This included nearly one-third of respondents citing attacks specifically on cloud infrastructure. But perhaps the most frightening statistic from this report is that despite these findings, 78% said they were satisfied with their cloud security. Joining us to discuss these findings in the current state of industrial cybersecurity is Dirk Schrader, VP of Security Research at Netrix. I guess jumping right into it and looking at the report on cloud security specifically, we're seeing, according to your report, about half of all manufacturers are seeing a cloud-based attack. What would you kind of owe this to? Is this just the fact that as more manufacturers go to the cloud, it, it exposes them to more vulnerabilities? Is there something that they're just not understanding about protecting the cloud, or, or is there something else going on? When you do a, a, a sort of a fast, uncoordinated cloud adoption, that often leads to security gaps in, 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 in manufacturers actually should plan thoroughly how to protect their data and defend it when they do that cloud adoption process. So the short answer is yes, using the cloud can create a, a set of new vulnerabilities simply because it's not that copy and paste thing. It's a promise versus problem situation where the promise is efficiency and cost reduction related to, to cloud adoption. And the problem is you just can't copy and paste. If you if you have your existing processes and your IT assets and you want to move them into the cloud, the way cloud instances are orchestrated, operated, maintained is different to what most of the existing resources in in the cybersecurity teams in, 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 menu, in the manufacturing sector are used to. Um, and that contributes to, further contributes is better to say, to the um, asymmetry between attackers and defenders. Um, the attackers, they need to be good in one thing, which is your cloud exposure. The defender, you, me, we have to kind of be good in every aspect of it. And therefore, if, if you further sort of increase the complexity of your attack surfaces, um, data in the uh, uh, identities and infrastructure, infrastructure in terms of cloud, there you have a, a an increased larger problem leading to that higher number of cloud focused attacks. No. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense, but like you said, and, it, and we've seen this proliferate, proliferate throughout a lot of industries, not just manufacturing, as you indicated, as we get things more connected and more important data going in different places, these types of things are definitely going to pop up. And like you said, not taking that cut and paste approach is incredibly important going forward. 
Another element of the report that I found really interesting is that the number one attack type, if you will, was a phishing attack. We've seen different statistics say different things for manufacturing specifically, but I think I thought it was interesting to see that a lot of things are starting with the phishing sort of strategy. What was your takeaway there? And what do you think may be contributing to the fact that hackers are taking this route as sort of their, their for, first step in going after the, uh, the sector? In, 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 in simplistic way of, of phrasing it, it's just you and me. Um, phishing campaigns do work well simply because they play with our fundamental motives, fear and gain. Both are sort of used in the phishing campaigns, usually combined with some sort of or form of authority and urgency. Yeah? You urgently need to do this because we might have to face the consequences of uh, fear and urgency, or I'm your manager, you need to have uh, this put forward into this account because if we don't do this or if we do this, we have a gain of X, Y, that. So it's that combination of these basic motifs and some thought of, as I mentioned, authority and, and, um, and urgency. Companies in the manufacturing sector and, and, and other sectors as well, they might might unwittingly contribute to to that uh, situation to that in, in in the sense that they created an environment where phishing is even more likely to to succeed uh, when they don't incorporate some form of appreciation for cyber awareness. Let me give you an example kind of made up kind of constructed but it will get um, the the idea behind so if the objective and incentive of a member of the accounting team is about processing incoming and outgoing invoices with a kpi set about the time needed to process a single invoice no observation for for awareness the likelihood for that person that to click on a fake invoice is higher because it's not part of the job description, not part of the incentive. Yeah. Um, the book, uh, Psychology of Information Security is a good read here, by the way. Overall, um, there are plenty of examples where gain in its broadest meaning was the main factor for, for a successful attack. Now, so attackers will use social engineering to lure the victim by exploiting favorite interests, Oh gosh, handball, cybersecurity, in my time, my, my point of view, maybe football for you or whatever it is, um, they will exploit superior positions. So they will look into the org chart, will find it out. They will look for any kind of hook that can be used to tell a story that uses the two motives. And honestly, it has been successful for them. Yeah. Do you think do you think the Google element kind of comes into play here? A lot of organizations use Google Docs, Google Sheets, things like that, so people can get accustomed to click here to get the information you're looking at. Do you think that plays a role into some of the phishing dynamics? It certainly lowers the bar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if if the ubiquity of data everywhere sort of just it's just a click away um, reduces that hesitation. Yeah. And I do this. Yeah, it, it reduces that natural question mark in terms of, is that true? Is that real? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we'll circle back to some of the challenges and some of the bad folks that are out there from a cybersecurity perspective. But shifting gears, let's talk about the good guys a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about Netrix and the stuff that you guys do to help support industrial cybersecurity? Oh, how many time? How much time do you? Have? <laughs> well, okay. Um, for me, a, a mo modern cybersecurity and the efforts around that are about securing the, the three attack surfaces existing in all enterprises, whether that's manufacturing, health, or something. Like that. We talked about identities, but first of all, it's about securing the attack surface of your data. What's it? What's there? No, I'll come to that. Identities and infrastructure. So these three layers, if you if you put them in, in a stacked version of lower layer in infrastructure, middle layer identities, upper layer is data. Identities are sort of the go-to um, for the attacker. Data, the upper layer, is the ultimate goal for, for an attacker. To extract it, to encrypt it, whatever kind of idea they have with that. And a manufacturer needs solution to identify sensitive data, ways to manage access to that data, which is what we call our uh, data access data access governance portfolio. Identities, that middle layer, are the means for an attacker to get access to that data. So the security approach here is to to manage privileged privileged access mentioned before as well as user rights on endpoints also mentioned, and that would be our PAM, Privilege Access Management Solution Group. And in parts, also the, the ransomware protection as sort of the last solution to uh, group to mention. This is also where these endpoints or any kind of infrastructure, lower layer, think, uh, think of server networking, OT devices as well, is protected by our solution group ransomware protection. So for a given infrastructure, it is really important to be resilient to attacks, which is sort of the, in simple terms, the harder it is for an attacker to, to land on that surface, to land on, to, you, to use the, the infrastructure for its, the attacker's own purpose, the more likely they are to look for some other target. In, in essence, the, the the ransomware thing is an economy by itself yeah. weirdly following the same principles of minimal effort maximum return uh, here we go the longer it takes for them to break one target the more likely they are to look for a different one no makes a lot of sense and I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought up ransomware that's something that we didn't haven't talked about yet it's obviously a huge concern especially in the industrial sector Maybe you can give some thoughts here, first of all, on how do we address some of these ransomware vulnerabilities? And secondly, when you're hit, what are your thoughts on actually paying the ransom versus trying to hold out? Okay, um, let's play the game. Company X is successfully attacked and tries to decide between the two choices, to pay or not to pay. Oh, sorry, Shakespeare. <clears throat> um, <laughs> paying leads to to two possible results. X gets back the access to its data or not. Not paying has also two possible results. X has a working backup architecture and is able to restore its data or not. And it leaves you with a four square, so, so four field matrix. Um, 
two are yes, two are no. The underlying aspects for me is are one, having a good backup strategy and, and the respective tools and in, in, in tool set in place is not only vital for the ransomware scenario, but for many other aspects of business continuity. Well, I can think of, of many non-ransom scenarios where backups are helpful. Um, you roll out new devices, something goes wrong. What happens if the device is faulty and you had data on it? Mm, better to have a backup. Um, the second aspect is, so the attacker is there and extorts you and you trust them to give back your data when you pay them. What about the, the exploits they use, the backdoors they have implemented to get back to you now that they know that you are willing to pay? Right. So in 99% of the cases, my answer would be no, don't pay. There are some circumstances and there is never 100% security. So 99% is the answer here as well. Um, there are some circumstances where paying might turn out to be the option. But if so, it must be accompanied with a thorough forensic on staying with the example companies X infrastructure. Because when they were there once and you don't do anything about that, which is always the part of recovery. Do your forensics, check what happened. How did they get into you, um, into your infrastructure? What was the exploit they used? And coming to the, the first part of the question of exploits and vulnerabilities soon, make sure that you, you have a handle on that. So in general, paying a ransom doesn't guarantee you to re receive the descript de decryption, description, decryption key and to restore everything overnight. Paying ransom encourages the bad actors to attack um, again and again. And it makes their business profitable. And we can talk about the economy here. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, there's ransomware is a tricky one and there's a lot of different dynamics to that situation. I appreciate you weighing in. You know, another part of the report that I found really interesting, we were talking about this a little bit before we started, is more than three-fourths of respondents to your, your report basically said that they felt comfortable with their security with where it was right now. And that's in the face of all of these new incoming attacks. We've talked about phishing and ransomware. There's also a part of the report where almost half of respondents, regardless of company size, said they expected these incidents to cost them less than $10,000 per now, that amount is probably less than half than even the smaller side of, of many reports I've seen in terms of cost, and that's before you pay the ransom. My concern is that the industrial sector it just isn't as concerned about the threat that cyber attacks present in terms of the impact on the organization and just even from a cost perspective. So I guess, would, would you agree with that, or are you seeing some other different dynamics that may have led to some different responses here? If the dependency on information uh, technology is, if you compare that between finance and manufacturing, you have a completely different setup. And they are most likely used to operate without information technology. Still, if you look at healthcare sector, if, if a, a hospital is losing access to its data, to its infrastructure, they go back to 
uh, manual reporting, which is slowing them down dramatically. Probably in the manufacturing sector, it's less of a risk for them because they're still used to doing things manually. I might exaggerate here, but sure. That's a, it is a mindset. It's something where they come from. The second influencing factor is planning horizons um, or simply look at it from, from, a, from an asset planning point of view. Um, if you're in the manufacturing sector and you put a um, machinery into the shop floor, in, in, into the plant floor, um, the, the machinery there that stays for 20, 30 years. Uh, so the investment cycle is, is a completely different uh, mindset as well. These are influencing factors into the way they look at cybersecurity. Will that change? Yes, that will change. Of course, and the main reason, and it's an overused term, is digital transformation. If you are connecting more and more devices, even legacy devices, to digitalized business processes, where you want to streamline your production process, where you want to improve um, the quality of your production, where you want to improve um, your supply chain performance, in, in, in previous days, we were talking about just-in-time logistics. Logistics um, Nowadays, it, it is not only just about the, the in-time logistics, it's about um, the ordering processes, that it's going to be bi-directional. There are many, many facets of digital transformation in the manufacturing sector. And with that digitalization, you have that issue of shorter lifetime of what is important to really important to that um, transformation and that's the data part yeah and i think it's it's getting past the reactive kind like frame of mind that, that that really creeps in here we're waiting until something bad happens and responding to it and increasing security and in digital transformation you're not the first to bring that up i mean it's definitely a double-edged sword in a lot of respects for the industrial sector we like the increased efficiencies but then there's some of these security concerns that that open up that would need to be addressed dirk kind of wrapping up here as we look forward in the next 12 to 18 months are there some bigger cybersecurity issues or trends that the industry really needs to be aware of well, first of all, cloud adoption is in full swing, full swing. So IT teams will feel more confident about their security with the probably increased security budgets and more tools available to them. One thing that was sort of interesting for me when, when reading the report and, and gathering the data, analyzing the data was that in, in 2022, those who are already using cloud instances have adopted to the cloud are actually slower in detecting the attacks than they were in in 2020. wow so the the issue here is to um avoid overlapping or conflicting or gapping functionality of point solution from different vendors um it, it simply leads to security gaps establish a security architecture within their group of trusted vendors where the vendors do have a broad portfolio 
and the products in itself complement each other, maybe overlay each other, because you always have to have that layered defense. If you have a layered attack surface, data identities infrastructure, have a layered defense for that. Implement a security posture management, where that term will become more important in, in, in the near um, um, yeah, midterm future, put it that way, that involves business units, that involves department heads from non-IT functions, um, because you want to align IT security strategies to those evolving business processes, especially when talking about digital transformation. Thanks, Dirk. For more information on the work Netrix does, you can go to netrix.com. That's spelled N-E-T-W-R-I-X. Thanks for joining us today. And to catch up on past episodes, you can go to manufacturing.net, I-E-N.com, or mbtmag.com. You can also check Security Breach out wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Overcast. For Dirk Schrader, I'm Jeff Ranke, and this is Security Breach.